Well, praise the Lord. I, uh, let me just say this again as I started. It is amazing because I think a lot of times every single preacher has had this um, experience that happened to be in his life and probably had, has had it if they preach or teach a number of times. And that is, again, uh, that people sometimes only get part of the message. You know, they don't hear the main message, the main point that you are trying to make. So with every service, uh, service you have and every preaching opportunity, you're trying to drive home one particular message. You have all these sub-points that happen to be again under, underneath, but you want people to get this one point. You know, and so often you can have people who are listening and they just fixate upon one point and they miss the main point. You know, I can remember one time I was preaching on the sovereignty, again, of God, and I was talking about, again, what a comfort it is to realize beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is in control of everything that will happen. You know, everything that was past, everything that was present, and everything that happened to begin in the future. And I basically looked at that as my three points, past, present, and future. And it was incredible because this one guy heard about, heard about something that was going to happen in the future that the Lord had predicted. And he came up to me afterwards and he said, I love that sermon. I loved it so much. I got so much out of it. And he started talking about the end times. And he says, you know, all these things are yet to be determined. We don't know how they're going to happen and how they're going to take place. Nobody does, not even God. And he missed the whole point of the sermon. The whole point of the sermon, you know, and he, t- and he was even telling me that he was terrified by the things that might happen. The whole point of the sermon was comfort. God was in control of everything. And if you happen to be a preacher, a teacher of God's word, that's happened to you before. You realize that people can hear one statement and it captivates. And it probably has happened to all of us at some time. We've listened to a sermon. We've heard this particular point, And we replay it and replay it and replay it over and over in our minds. And the reason why I bring that up is because in our passage, Jesus has been talking about his departure. And the need, again, of the disciples right now to be his witnesses, his loving witnesses, right? How they love one another there to witness the love of the Lord Jesus Christ to the world that happens to be again around them. And he's just about to go on and explain the reason why he is leaving, the reason why he's departing. And that is that he's going away to prepare a place for them. So where he is, they may be also. Also, he's going to send the Holy Spirit, another comforter. And it's needful for him to go away that this other comforter would come. And it's an amazing passage of scripture, but he doesn't get there. And the reason why he doesn't get there is because Peter is fixated with one comment that Jesus made. And it was basically this, that he's going away. You know, that he's departing, that he's, that he's leaving. And he doesn't hear anything that they're supposed to love one another as he has loved them. That message was missing. And the reason why is because Peter was so fixated upon that message. And it's amazing to go through the Gospels, isn't it? Because when you go through the, uh, this passage and you go through the other Gospels, we realize that the disciples are really slow to hear, slow to uh, understand, slow to get the main point about Jesus. And it could be that they had preconceived ideas of who the Messiah was, it was and they had a hard time overcoming them. But I think this passage is really good for us. And it's good for us, again, in a couple of reasons. And one is, it really shows the patience of the Lord, right? It shows the patience of the Lord because we get frustrated when people don't get the main point. You know, we get, to, we get frustrated when people do not uh, learn, whether we happen to be parents, whether we happen to be uh, preachers. You know, we get frustrated that we have to teach the same truths, the same truths, the same truths. 
But when you look at Jesus, Jesus is the epitome, again, of patience. He teaches these same truths. He goes over familiar ground time and time again. And he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt, even though it might not look like it from a human perspective, people are getting the message. You know, there's coming into focus a clearer determination of who Jesus is and why he came. You know, and that's one reason. The other reason why I think this is such a valuable passage of Scripture is because it teaches us that none of us are above falling. You know, sinning horrendously against the Lord. You know, and, and, and so often we look at our lives and we never consider how wicked our human hearts are. We never consider, again, our propensity to wander. You know, so often we think that we are strong in and of ourselves. But imagine, you know, this is why this passage is given to us. Here's Peter, and he's been three years. I mean, you think about a doctrinal, again, or a theological training. You know, nobody got any better theological training than Peter. Imagine listening and being in the presence of God in human flesh. Imagine seeing the things that Peter saw that no one else saw, you know, such as a transfiguration. You know, knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that the one who happened to be before you is none other than the Lord of glory. None other than God in human flesh. You know, and we can be uh, so wrapped up in, in ourselves that we think because of what we saw, because of what we've learned, or whatever it happens to be, again, what we've done for the Lord, that we are beyond falling. We are beyond going down a path that we ought not to walk. And let me just say that all of us are just two or three decisions away from wrecking havoc on our testimony in the Lord Jesus Christ. The question we have to ask ourselves is, do we believe that? Do we believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that sin is that close to our door? And our hearts are that wicked, that vile, that they can go in that direction. I think all of us, again, if you've been saved for a while, know 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 12. It says, therefore, if anyone thinks that he stands. In other words, again, I'm standing and there's no, there's no chance that, that lust, you know, will, will uh, get to me, that anger will get to me, that bitterness will get to me. He says, therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. And here's the question. Do you believe that? You know, are you still seeing sin in your, own, in, in your own heart, the remnants of that sin, so much so that you go to the Lord and you repent of that. You flee from those allurements of sin that happen to be again around you. Do you believe what the word of God says about you? You know, and we all know this verse in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse number 9, it talks about our heart. It says the heart is deceitful above what? Above, above all things, every single thing, and desperately sick. And he asks the question, who can understand it? And the answer to that is nobody can understand it. You know, none of us can understand unless we look through the word of God and have the word of God exegete our, our human hearts. And one of the things that I want us to see tonight is I want us to see the warning from this passage. I want us to, because so often we think other people are, we think the Lord needs us. And it's really the other way around. Every moment, every day, I need the grace. I need the love of this Savior, of this Lord that happens to be again above. And I want us to see the warning from this passage. You know, because I think, again, when you look at this passage of Scripture, it should shock us in a way. You know, and we always roll our eyes at Peter, and this passage is so familiar that this is what we say, oh, there goes Peter again, boasting again. 
But think of it. Think of who Peter is. Think of what he has saw. Think of how he has lived. It should shock us when we hear this prophecy of the Lord Jesus, but at the same time, it shouldn't shock us because we recognize what Scripture teaches about the nature of our own human heart. So I want us to see the warning, and I want us to see the question and an answer that's asked in verse number 36 to begin with tonight. And look at what it says. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow afterwards. And one of the things I love about Scripture is they always put these two things almost side by side, and that is, again, our sin, our weakness, even our arrogance and our pride. And then we have the grace of God that happened to begin over here, and we realize that God is opposed to the proud. But here's the amazing thing. God in his grace will overcome our pride in one way or another. You know, you either show us through the scripture or you either be demonstrated our need of him by the activity, by, the, by, by us falling, and he'll restore us. But one of the things that we see over and over in the word of God held in tension side by side is here's our weakness, but here's the glory of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what you see in this passage of scripture. You know, because Peter's listening to the command right here that we ought to love one another the same way that I have loved you. But, it, but he misses it. And he's fixated on the uh, statement that Jesus makes in verse number 33. He says, little children, yet a little while I'm with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot follow. And he hears that statement, you cannot follow. And we realize, again, as we read the word of God, what he's talking about. He's talking about his death, burial, and resurrection. And after that, again, after his resurrection, he's going to ascend up into heaven. And he's telling them, again, that they cannot follow. This is why there's to be a loving witness, a witness in Jesus' absence. Again, this is why, again, he's going to send the Holy Spirit again to them. You know, and we realize these truths that happen to begin in the word of God. But it all goes missing because all Peter hears is you cannot come. You know, and look at the question he asks here in verse number 36, because I think it's an interesting question. It says, Lord, where are you going? And I think the first time you read that, you're probably thinking, well, this isn't an easy question. You know, he's just struggling with Jesus has just said, where I'm going, you cannot come. And he's just wondering where the Lord's going. You know, Lord, where are you going? Are you going to Bethsaida? Are you going back to Bethany? Are you going to Galilee? You know, are you going to, into the region of Samaria? Where are you going? And it's not that kind of question. You know, it's a question that is, uh, that is asked in an arrogant fashion. It's basically this, hello, Lord, where are you going? Because you just said that none of us will follow. And I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am going to follow you wherever you go. No matter what suffering, no matter even if death overtakes me, I am going to go where you go. You know, it's amazing to look at the statement because what, what, what happens, and we'll see this again a little later tonight, is that the Lord tells him that he's going to betray him. In fact, he's going to deny him three times. And it's amazing, isn't it? Because when you look into this chapter, I don't, I don't know if you've, see, you've seen this, but in this chapter alone, in, fe, in fact, Abe read it. You know, there's two betrayals, isn't there? And the first betrayal is by Judas. One of you is going to betray me. And then when we get to the end of this chapter, he talks about a second betrayal. You know, one that should have known better, one that should have said, this is the Lord, this is the Christ is going, to, is going to deny him. 
Now, here's the question. Because we realize one's saved and one is unsaved. And here's the question. What is the difference between the two? And the difference is right there in the passage, isn't it? Because when you have uh, Judas, Judas is just play-acting. You know, he's the hypocrite. He knows beyond a shadow of a doubt what he's going to do. You know, he even cries out, Lord, is it I? Is it I? You know, along with all the other disciples, he plays the part. But when Peter says, no, uh-uh, I wouldn't do that. Peter means that from the depths of his soul. Peter says this, and I want you to realize this, out of a devotion for the Lord Jesus Christ, what Peter doesn't understand is his love for self is actually greater than his love for the Savior. You know, and where does this overconfidence come from? Some people think, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that, uh, that Peter doesn't know what Jesus is talking about. He doesn't know, again, that he's talking about his death. He doesn't know that he's talking about going to this horrendous death. The only problem with that is when you walk through the Gospels, he tells the disciples over and over, in fact, again, when they, when they finally get to Bethany, right, they're going to Bethany, and then they're going to go from Bethany over to Jerusalem. When they start to go to Bethany, because Lazarus has died, and he's going to resurrect Lazarus, you know, which is a short distance from Jerusalem. Listen to what Thomas says in John chapter 11 and verse number 16. He says, so Thomas called the twin, said to the fellow disciples, let us also go, and this is what's going to happen, that we may die with him. They knew there was trouble. They knew there was a mounting opposition. And Jesus kept saying as they were going up to Jerusalem over and over and over again that, I am God, that the religious leaders are going to hand me over to the Gentiles and I am going to die. And three days later, I will rise from the grave. And they knew something was going to happen. So when Jesus says, where I am going, you cannot come. They might not have understood. Peter might not have understood the full import that he's going to give his life as a perfect offering for that perfect ransom for sin. But let me say beyond a shadow of a doubt, they knew something of the danger. They knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this could end in death. You see, Peter's un- it is not misunderstanding the words of Jesus Christ. He's misunderstanding his own human heart. He didn't understand his own weakness. And this is where we get it so wrong. Because, because no one, and I'll say it again, got a better theological education than Peter. You know, and so often we look at ourselves and say, say no, 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 I, I, don't need to, I don't need these parameters. I don't need these measures that happen to be in my life. Because look at how much I know. Look at all that I have done. Look at how many years I have faithfully followed the Lord. And we forget what, what the knowledge of the Lord does. The knowledge of the Lord is given to us that we might see his preeminence, that we might see his glory and how different this Lord is from us and to show us our weakness. You know, that's what maturity is, not recognizing how strong I am, but how weak and needy I happen to be. And I wonder, have we really looked at our human hearts you know, through the word of God and seen again beyond a shadow of a doubt that I have the potential of doing things that I could have never imagined that I could, could do. Do we realize that? Peter could have never imagined in his wildest dreams that he would ever deny the Lord. You know, and this is where this, 
knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ is a humbling knowledge, so much so that it causes us to depend upon him. But let me ask you, is your knowledge of Jesus Christ, is your knowledge of who you are in light of who Jesus is, humbling your heart? Is it calling you to go to him, to flee even from the ravages, even from the the things that happen to be going on in your own human heart? Uh, Do you still have confidence in yourself rather than the Lord? You know, one of the things I love about Scripture, because I think a lot of times we can read Peter and say, well, it's amazing. And then they start looking at our own hearts. We can become fearful. But one of the things I love about Scripture is that, again, there's that beautiful tension that happens to be right here. We see our own wickedness, our own human hearts, but we see the immense grace of God. You know, and you see that right in this verse because it goes like this. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And listen to the gracious, the warm, the comforting words of the Lord Jesus Christ right here. And he knows what's in Peter's heart. And he says this. He doesn't change the message. Where I am going, you cannot follow me. And then he uses this word, now. But you will follow afterwards. And there's so much warmth there. Even though, here it is, Peter is not believing the message. Even though Peter is not getting the message. You know, he goes over the ground. You know, and this is different. Let me just say this. Then uh, chapter number 8, in verse number 21, where, where Jesus is speaking to the unbelieving Jews, and he says, I'm going away, and you will seek me, and listen to what he says, and you will die in your sins. And then he says this, almost the same thing. Where I am going, you cannot come. Right? And why can't they come where Jesus is going? Because of this, because they will die in their sins. This is not the promise to the eleven. This is not the promise to Peter and the other, the apostles that happen to be again right there. That's not the promise. He says, you cannot come right now. And why? Because you're going to be these loving witnesses in my absence. But after, you will come. You will be where I am, you know, eternally. And I find these words that happen to be, again, right here, again, so reassuring, isn't it? You know, when we realize, again, the, the, the immensity, again, of our debt that we owe before God, it's amazing that we hear these words. Listen to them again, because they're given to all of us. But you will follow after me. Right? It is certain. Jesus Christ doesn't let any out of his grasp. You know, and I love Romans 8, 38 and 39. I, I could turn to this passage many times. It says, For I am sure that, need, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, aren't you overjoyed for, about that truth? Because I think when we're overjoyed about that truth, it draws us to Christ so much so that it causes us to flee from sin in our hearts. When we see it, we confess it. We confess our weakness, and we draw close to the all-sovereign one, to the all-strong one, and we rely on him. You know, we always have to be suspicious of our own human hearts, but I want us to see the rebuttal. And we see this again going on in verses 37 and 38 of this chapter. And look at what it says. Peter said to him, Lord... Why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, right? Take note of this, Peter. The rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. You know, one of the things that we have to, 
have to realize about ourselves. You know, we use this word pride, and pride is so easy to see in other people, but you know who's very hard to see? It's very hard to see in ourselves, isn't it? And here's what pride does, and I want you to understand what pride does. Pride tells us lies. It tells lies about ourselves. You know, and, and here it is. Those lies are hard to die. They really are. You know, so we can look at other people, we can see this person's sin, 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 and they're so different from our sin in one way that we think we're in a category of our own. And then we can look at our devotion, and, our, and we can see areas in our life where we are devoted to Christ above other people. And this is what we can get into, it, into our heart. Yeah, I could see them falling. I could see him again going away. I could see him him or her sinning uh, uh, grievously against the Lord, but I can't see myself. And this is why we need this knowledge of the Lord. It's only through this knowledge of the Lord applied to the human heart that we recognize who we are. And let me just say it again. These lies that we tell ourselves don't die easily. We need to draw near to Christ. We need to anguish about the sin that we see in our life. And the last verse that, was, that we just looked at, that should have been the end of the case, right? Right, Peter, you can't come. But afterwards, you will come. But now you can't come. That should, that should have been the end of it. But, he, but, but here it is. You know, Peter's like a dog with a bone. He just won't let it go. You know, he goes after it, and he begins to argue with the Lord. You know, and, it, and the amazing thing that happens to me again about it, because think about it. He knows that Jesus is the Lord of glory, he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is God in human flesh, but he argues with the Lord. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. And like I say, many times we shake our heads in just disbelief that he is doing this, that he could actually think that Jesus somehow is wrong. But let me tell you, let me ask you, how many times do we know the proper thing to do? How many times do we know the will of God is revealed that happened to be in the word of God, but somehow we know better? Somehow we know what is more righteous, what is more necessary in this particular situation. Because that's Peter. Yeah, yeah, yeah I hear you, Lord. Uh-uh, but it ain't going to happen. Lord, I'm willing to give my life. I'm willing to do everything you just do not know the level of love, the level of devotion I have with you. And you can see that because he says that, right? Lord, why can I not follow you? And here's, the, here's what he says. I will lay down my life for you. You know, and there's such a staunch resistance from the words of, uh, the words of Jesus. And the amazing thing, this is recorded in all four Gospels, over in the, Matthew, uh, over in the Gospel of Matthew, in, verse, uh, in chapter 26, in verse number 33, Peter answered him, Though they all fall away, you know, I can recognize their weakness. Because of you, I will never fall away. And over in Mark, it's not only Peter who's doing this, but all the apostles, because we read in Mark 14, 31, it says, but he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And then we read in Luke chapter 22, verse number 33, Peter said to him, Lord, here it is. I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And I think a passage like this is such a warning against our own fickle hearts. Because you can see somebody going down a path, and you can tell them, don't go down that path, don't go down that path, don't, don't go down that path. 
But so often we're like Peter. We just will not heed the warning when it's given. We don't hear the message. And accepting what the Lord says is something difficult for us. The Lord has told us how we ought to rear our children. Nobody's ever going to tell me how to rear my children. I know what's right for them. The Lord has told us, again, about our marriages. There is no way that God would ever want me to submit and respect him. There's no way that I am going to give her that sacrificial love. You know, that devotion of being a one-man woman. Right? In the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, I gossip, but it's all true. No, 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 I would never cause divisions. This will never cause obstacles to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know what the word of God says. You know, and I wonder, again, if we, we think so often, if my circumstances, if the people in my life were just different, then I could serve the Lord. And this is what we're not convinced of. And we hear it over and over and over and over, but we're still not convinced of it, that the greatest problem that I have is never on the outside. It's on the inside. My own stubborn heart that won't do the will of my great God that happens to be above. And the other thing is, a lot of times when we look at stumbling, when we look at denying the Lord, when we look at horrendous sin that happened to be in our life, it's way over there. And because it's way over there, it's easy to say, I'd never do it. Right? Where's Peter and the disciples? They're in the upper room, reclining, having a meal. There's no soldiers. Lord, we'd be willing to die for you. It's easy, isn't it? You know, and I think that's the same with us. Many times we don't take our hearts seriously. Many times we don't take sin seriously. Many times we don't take the temptations that happen to be against uh, seriously. Because this is what we do. We draw a line in the sand and say, there's that line. I'm never going to cross that line. But we go close to that line. And you know what happens after a while? You know, that crossing that line doesn't seem like a big deal. So we cross the line, and you know what we do? We draw another line and say, I'll never cross that line. Right? And what do we do? Every life is easy. Life is glorious. I'm serving the Lord. I'm learning about him. You know, I'm not watching my heart. And all of a sudden, I cross that line. And we're line makers, aren't we? And many times we go to places that we never thought we would go. And that's a little lesson of Peter. And it's so instructive for us. It really is. Because we realize these little temptations, these little trials that come into our life are allowed there by the Lord to expose something, to expose it. You know, and we have to admit it. We have to expose our hearts, expose the direction, expose again the filth that happens to be in that we might confess it to the Lord and rely on him in those moments, right? Flee those youthful lusts. Flee from that sin that happens to be again uh, in each one of us. And we, and we should realize this, you know, because right after Peter's boast about, again, his strength, that he would be willing to die, we have these words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, The rooster will not crow this day until you have denied me three 
times that you know me. Now, this is a famous verse that's many times used about the omniscience of God, that God, again, knows everything. And we realize beyond a shadow of a doubt when uh, Jesus Christ gives this word that he can't be wrong about it, right? It can't be one time, it can't be two times, it can't, can't be four times, it can't be five times. You know, and there's so much that could go wrong that happened beginning right here. And a lot of times we spend all the time, you know, talking about the omniscience of the Lord. And it's there in this passage of Scripture. But I think a lot of times we miss the whole message. Think of it. Here is a man who walked with the Lord. Here is a man who fellowshiped with him. Here is a man, again, who slept beside him. Here is a man, again, who was taught by him. Here is a man who saw all the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this wasn't just a little aberration that happened to be in his life, but he denied the Lord how many times? Not once, not twice. And remember, the third time was accompanied by what? By cursing. He didn't know. This Jesus. He wasn't his Messiah. He wasn't his Christ. And it could be. It's amazing to look at the text because after this, Peter's silent. And here's the question. Why is Peter silent? What do you think? And it could be this. It could be, okay, you're the Lord of glory. You know. And I submit to you. I don't think that's that. You know, he's silent. And I think Peter's thinking this. I'm going to show you. You know, when trials come, when the trouble comes, I'm going to be there. And you know why I think that? It's because in a couple hours, they're going to go in the garden. Right? Three denials. Jesus is going to come to him three times. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. And watch and pray. And guess who doesn't have to watch and pray? Those who are strong. Those who are capable. Those who are mighty. And he doesn't. And that very night... He denies the Lord three times. But you know what's incredible, and I think we miss this so often. Where Peter failed, Jesus didn't fail. He had perfect faith in his Father God. And he went through and gave his life as that perfect ransom for sin. And here's the amazing thing, because there's contrast, isn't it, between Peter and between Jesus. And we look again at Peter and we say, there's no way somebody like that could be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at how horrendous their sin is. We can't even imagine somebody in a, such a public manner, such a public de demonstration denying the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the whole point. His grace is greater than all of our sin. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. I mean, Peter never goes looking for Jesus. But Jesus, at the end of the gospel, goes looking for Peter and restores him. Richard Phillips writes this. He says, did Jesus cast off Peter? He had every reason to do so. Peter had denied him. He might have judged Peter unfit for further service or even for salvation. But this is not the Lord's way. He came again to recommission Peter's service. Did God cast uh, off Abraham after he left Ur of the Chaldees for the promised land but stopped at Haran? No. God came to Abraham a second time with the identical pr promise of great spiritual blessing. 
Did God, God cast off Moses after Moses had decided that he could free his people by his own strength, killed an Egyptian, and then had to flee from Egypt to Midian? No. God came to Moses with a new revelation of himself, one that contained a promise to do what Moses had attempted but had found himself unable to do. Did God cast off Jonah after Jonah had fled from him, uh, falling so deeply into sin that he declared that he'd rather die than go to Nineveh? No. God came to Jonah a second time also. And listen to this. So God comes to us a second, third, fourth, even a hundredth or a thousandth time if necessary that we might have fellowship with him. Moreover, none of us would be where we are at this moment if God had not operated with us. What an incredible God. What a credible salvation. And that is what makes us flee from sin and grasp our Savior. Let's bow our hearts in a moment of prayer. Father, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we're amazed at the grace that happens to be again right here. Lord, but we realize when we look at Peter, it's so easy for us to shake our heads. Lord, wag your fingers or whatever it happened to be. But we realize, Lord, that we see Peter. We see Peter in us. We see that propensity, to Lord, to wander. Oh, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Lord, all of us feel it. But, Lord, we're so thankful tonight that as we look at our own weakness, as we look at our own insecurities, as we look at our own stumbling, Lord, that there is one who came, Lord, who did not stumble, but perfectly, Lord, depended upon you, perfectly walked that way, and gave his life as that perfect ransom for sin. Lord, we're so thankful for Jesus Christ. We're so thankful, Lord, that as we depend upon him, as we lean upon him in our weaknesses, Lord, that he gives us the strength to overcome sin, to overcome that propensity to wander, to overcome, Lord, even to deny the Lord that we love. We just ask, Lord, that we would recognize that maturity is not found in our own strength, our own abilities, even our own knowledge and our own serving of you. But maturity comes, Lord, when our hearts recognize our need of him. God, help us. Help us. We are needy people. We thank you so much, Lord. Just be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother.